having that perfectionist fatal flaw, it's something that I continue to struggle against. And one of the ways that I've overcome that is making sure that I do have uh, processes designed. I mean, I even have someone on my team who her responsibility is to design processes because one, if I ever see a process and Billy is the point in every single step, then that process is one that's never going to work. It's never going to be optimized. So as we now look at different processes in, in our, in our enterprise, it's about understanding, okay, where do I need to be a part of this? And if I don't absolutely need to be a part of this, meaning I'm having an interaction with an investor or I'm actually out doing uh, something similar to what we're doing now, or we're talking, um, then I have to get out of the way. I cannot let my um, desire to have things perfectly done by me stand in the way. Now it's about how do I continue to focus on the process and make sure that the process is optimized and we have the right people on the bus so that we can go out and affect as many lives as, 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 as we want to and as we can. Heroes are an inspiring group of people, every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell, from the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what, I can fix that, I can help people, I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and today I have the pleasure of having on Billy Keels. Billy, are you there? Yeah, Richard, I'm here and uh, really looking forward to uh, to the conversation today, man. Awesome. So glad to have you here. And we were just talking before we got on the line. You were coming in from Barcelona, Spain. Is that right? Barcelona, Spain. Yes, that's exactly where I'm coming from today. Been there for like 20 years, even though you're from, you said Ohio, right? Yeah, originally from Columbus, Ohio, and I've been in Europe for the last 20 years. I was in uh, France for between uh, the uh, Paris and a town called Montpellier down in the south or Montpellier. And I also lived in Sardinia in Italy for but those two kind of about three and a half, four years. And then I've been in Spain since 2015. So about uh, about 15 years. Nice. So have you been uh, enjoying all the uh, the lockdowns over in Spain? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's just let's just say it, not really. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's I'm, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been really different. Right. Because all of my like my my parents and brother and sister, they're they're back in, in the States and my um my uh, nieces and, or nieces and nephews and, and uncles and aunts and stuff like that. And so we've really lived two very different kind of lockdowns because here in like the end middle of March through the end of April, we literally didn't leave our home unless we were going to the grocery store, going to the um, going to the drugstore or the pharmacy, as they say here, uh, or going to the hospital. And to go to the hospital, like you needed to have a doctor's permission to be able to go, so that you didn't really even have that. So we really, literally, were in the house most of the time for about eight or nine weeks. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Um, it has not been that bad in the couple of places that we've been in during our travels, right? So we've been in Florida and then a couple of the Southern states. We're in South Carolina right now for mm -hmm. you know, audience who's following our travels. Love um, that. But so far, 
this at least this part of the country has been pretty open um, mm. and hasn't been having too much uh, issues with it, which I consider ourselves lucky for that. Um, but what I want to do real quick is just talk a little bit about what you're known for so we can get in and ta- start talking about your story. So yeah, sure. um, Billy is a long distance investor, which is cool. You work with real assets, which is interesting because most of the investors we've had on are just in real estate, but you actually invest in a few different things, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, problem solver, speaker, mentor, and you help others get into this investing career. But you're also an IT salesperson. So you have a corporate job yep. and then you have your business on the side, which is this uh real asset investing is that right yep exactly so why don't you tell me a little bit um just to start us off what is it that you're known for in the business space and what is it that you actually do um to drive revenue in your business yeah sure so i am known at during during the day right when i am uh once my kids go to school and i'm not playing daddy anymore i am a happy corporate executive i'm one of the people that actually enjoys going into the job that i have Couple reasons for that. Number one, uh, we are typically solving very big, large, enterprise-wide problems that are pretty complex, and I enjoy that. Being able to navigate through different organizations, understand really what the different pain points or what is the result that the organizations are looking for, and trying to have or, or having software play a part of the solution that these very large, multi-billion-euro and dollar companies are are looking to uh, to solve. So that's really what I'm doing doing during the day. And, and I'm known for a person who's a happy corporate employee. Most people, even when they see me on LinkedIn, they're like, oh, okay, well, this guy's actually happy. And I, and I genuinely like going to my job, right? And part of the reason that I like going to my job is because I have much more control over my financial life and what I've been doing over the last seven years, which is really spending a lot of time as a long distance, as you mentioned before, um, asset investor. And I used to say real estate investor, but then I've been influenced by a number of uh, people that I consider mentors uh, to me that I've realized that I don't just invest in real estate. um, I invest in uh, lots of different real assets. So from multifamily buildings to uh, ATM machines, to energy equipment and things like that. So, um, so, so those are during the, during the day, I generate revenue uh, when I am able to help customers solve their issues. And that is by being able to um, sell them software and software is a part of their um, solution. And then uh, when I'm doing, put on my entrepreneurial uh, hat, uh, the revenue is generated from two different ways. Uh, Number one is investing what I have been doing uh, on my own uh, over the last seven years, which is investing in these real assets and these real assets generate cash flow and tax benefits, which is something that I'm a big fan of because of uh, where I've been in terms of a high wage earner. And then, um, and then also, there is being able to help other people to solve their financial issues and having them be part of the different projects that I am now um, syndicating or aggregating capital. Uh, I'm also helping uh, those investors solve their issues. And that also is a, is a way to generate revenue. So hopefully that's uh, that's clear. So you guys, you do a bunch of stuff on both sides, right? So in, in the, your corporate world and then with your real estate investing or your real asset investing. So I just, Real curious question right at the top of my head, because you mentioned taxes, and I know you live in Barcelona, and then you invest in the U.S. Mm -hmm. How do you get taxed? Do you get taxed both in the U.S. and in Spain? Or, like, I'm just not curious. I don't know how that works, because all the investing and all the people I know just invest in the U.S., and they live in the U.S. 
Yeah. And so I guess this is one of the things that's really unique, right? Because there are so many people that love traveling outside of the borders of the U.S. And this is a great question that you're asking, Richard, because um, many people kind of want to know. And one of the advantages, uh, I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, is of, of, of carrying a blue passport around the globe is that we're taxed on our worldwide income. So uh, although I reside in Spain, I'm a U.S. citizen and I'm taxed on my uh, on my overall worldwide income. So it uh, you kind of you, you, you pay your taxes here and you and you you declare your taxes here and you declare your taxes back stateside. And then depending on how things work out, you pay here and you pay here or you pay here and you don't pay there. It just depends on kind of what the, uh, what your structure looks like. <laughs> I, that's, uh, that's why having a really, really good team is super, super, super important. I'll be really fascinated <laughs> to learn about that. Cause you know, uh, I've mentioned a few times in the show, my wife and I are looking to travel um, internationally here in the next couple of years, get a, a yacht and start moving around. Um, and I think that changes our tax game at least a little bit because we'll be earning income in other places. Um, so it'll be a interesting thing to learn. Yeah, it's there's and there's a lot of complexities to it, and 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 there's some simplification to it as well, right? Depending on kind of how things are set up, and and I'm sure you'll have your your tax team that will be able to help you navigate. And I do kind of no pun intended, navigate through that whole um, that whole process. Yeah, it's not something I want to learn really a lot about, but I know there are people. Who That's strange. Happy to that <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. <laughs> okay, so my next question for you is about your origin story. We say on the show every time every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's a thing that made them into the hero they are today. And we want to hear that story. Were you born a hero or were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to get into real asset investing? Um and did you, or did, you know, we already know you started in a job and you, what, what sort of kicked you off to want to get into the entrepreneurship game on top of your corporate career? Yeah. So, so there's a lot, a lot to unpack there. And it's uh, I love that question. Right. And it, it's kind of the, 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 the origin of this entire conversation. And I don't necessarily know if I knew that I was a hero. I don't necessarily know if I am a hero today. I think I'm on a path to becoming as most, as most would say, um, but really early on, I, I was, um, you know, I, I realized that when my parents were moving around and we were uh, doing different things and moving, living in different cities and always was the new kid in class with my brother and sister, right? It was kind of a, a, a unique experience. And so when I guess where I am now in my life, it was more a matter of um, what kind of has put me on this path to entrepreneurship, right? Um, and the biggest thing that's put me on that path was a couple of things. Number one, um, back in 2000, like I'm a, I'm the classic A student, did all the right things, got the good grades, got the good job and was really focused on moving up the corporate ladder. Like that was what the, like that was what was written down on the paper. And so that's what I wanted to do. Right. And so, um, and I was on that path and I it was even fortunate. I, I left Ohio. I started moving internationally that changed the whole scope and I was doing new things and things that I never even dreamt about uh, Richard. And so there was a certain point where you, you get into your life and you think, okay, well, wow. Okay. This is kind of where, where you're going, you're doing the right things. And then in 2000 with the dot-com bubble, I lost some money in my uh, 401k and I had an IRA as well. 
and that I didn't really understand it. And I got this whole thing of, oh, just hanging out, you know, we're going to do a dollar cost averaging and just wait it out and things will work and blah, blah, blah. And, and so I did that, right. Cause that's what the teacher said. And so that's exactly what I did. And, and I did that for, yeah, yeah, I did that for a couple of years. And, um, and, and then I, this time I was living in Europe and I was doing something different and I was working on climbing up the ladder and, um, and then 2008 came and, and, and I lost 33% of my portfolio. And I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Like I, I, I don't understand. And I was frustrated and I heard the same thing again. Well, you know, just hang on, just wait, you know, you're, you're going to do dollar cost averaging and eventually it'll come back. And I remember what my parents always told me, like, and they still tell me, right. They, they tell me, um, you know, if something happens once it's, it's, it's shame on them. If something happens twice, it's shame on you, meaning me. And so it was at that point that I realized that I had to do something differently to gain control over that aspect of my financial life. And so that is when I really came across this purple book that I know that you also came across, which was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that, Richard, that completely just, I mean, it just rattled my mind because I I wouldn't, I didn't grow up around people that were in real estate investing or any of that kind of stuff, right? And so just the whole concept of real estate investing, that was the first time and I was 20, uh, seven, 28, 29 years old, something like that. Like it was just completely foreign concept to me. And so when I saw that, I started reading and I wanted to know, and I wanted to, 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 to learn more about it. Um, and so that combination with something happened when my oldest child was three years old. Um, and I was still, I hadn't gotten involved in real estate investing, but I started learning about it and things like that. And I was look, really looking to climb the corporate ladder. And I remember on his third birthday, I had to get on a flight my wife was at home. My oldest child was three and my youngest child was one and it was his birthday. And I was flying from Barcelona to Frankfurt, Germany on a flight. And I was thinking something's wrong here. Something, it just doesn't really make sense because all the things that I was doing is really about being a, a great father and a, and a great husband. And I was leaving on one of the most important days of my young child's life. And I thought, you know what, this can't be the way. And so that kind of really, when I was on my way to the airport, it really, something changed in me that thought, you know, I need to do something differently. And I have to be in a point in my life where I can at least be more, feel more in control of the things that are happening for myself, for my family. Uh, and that was really the day that things started, started changing. And then afterwards I, you know, I procrastinated for a while and I'm sure we'll talk about that, but, um, but that was kind of the genesis of, okay, now I need to do something to be in control of my own life. I cannot let that financial part of my life really be the responsibility of somebody else or someone who is really selling their product. Um, with all due respect to, to most people that are in the financial planning world, um, you know, most of them are, are, are selling products and not necessarily looking at it from a, from a holistic uh, point of view. So maybe a long-winded part of the story, but that, that is really the, the origin of, of kind of what is igniting me today to continue on that entrepreneurial path at the same time that I like doing what I do in my corporate role, because there's a lot of transferable skills, which is something else that's just, I think a lot of people forget about when you're part of a really large organization is that you get a chance every single day to have access to amazing training, amazing people uh, and things like that. But let me, uh, let me, let me let you ask your other questions or if there's something you want me to go a little deeper on. um, First off, it's amazing to me how impactful becoming a dad is. Mm. And I know we, we share, we share that a little bit, right? Cause my, yeah. you know, my, I was into business a lot through as a child. Um, but it wasn't until I had my son where I was like, 
I need this, like this needs to get real. Yeah. Right. And yep. I made my commitment, which if you've listened to some of the shows before I've mentioned, you know, it was, I wanted to be at home for lunch every day with my kids. And I knew I mm. couldn't do that with a lot of different options. And yep. that's been one of my, you know, one of the canons I measure all of my decisions by yep. is, you know, is this going to equal more or less lunch time with my kids? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it, you know, it having kids changes you and it gives you a, a bit of motivation and perspective that you just didn't have beforehand. So it's interesting that you have a similar uh, catalyst for getting into investing and getting into growing your uh, your asset column, as Rich Dad would call it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and my other my other thing I want to just bring up is you said you you know you're on the road to becoming a hero and you may not be one yet. And I just wanted to point out a couple of things. And I, I mentioned before we got on the call that I worked with several real estate trainers in the past. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that always struck me was how specifically with real estate, I'm not sure about the other asset classes you mentioned, because I don't know anything about them. But with real estate specifically, there's always at bare minimum, there's like three parties involved. Um, mm-hmm. So you have yourself and you have the other buyer and then you have the people that are using utilizing the property. Um, mm-hmm. And in order for the deals to actually happen, you have to create win win situations for all the parties involved. Right. And whether it's, you know, the people that, you know, you, you mentioned you have 310 doors in your pro, um, in your properties right now. Um, and that's 310 families that you're providing services for. Right. Um, and you have all, you know, every, I don't know how many properties that is, but every every property you picked up um, is, you know, was generally the person who was selling it was selling it for a reason. And you actually came in and helped solve that and create create solutions for them. So my contention is that you are already a hero and you're continuing that journey. <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate that. And I guess maybe that's part of the uh, always wanting to continue to go move towards something. And uh, yeah. you never, I never, I still don't feel like I'm there yet, but uh, I'm, I'm on the path. So I, I, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that as I'm here on the, just, uh, on the hero show. My, uh, my, you know, the whole purpose of this show yeah. is just help show people how entrepreneurship is actually, it's entrepreneurs aren't the villains, right? I know all of yeah. our culture tells us that entrepreneurs are, entrepreneurs are really the ones that help push the world forward yep. so just personally thank you for the work that you yep. already do uh, well thank you i appreciate that appreciate that and i'm going to keep doing more of it going to keep doing more of it because i i really 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 enjoying it so my next question for you then is about your superpowers right yep. every iconic hero has a superpower whether that's a fancy flying suit made by genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky or maybe even super strength like superman but in the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill, a, a set of skills that you were born with or you developed over time that really help you do what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Help you um, slay the villains in your own life, so to speak. Um, and with that, what the way that I sort of frame this for people is you probably have a bunch of skills that are um, things that you're like, hey, I'm good at this area and good at this and good at the other thing. But if you really think about it, you probably have one skill that's the common thread that ties all those things together. And that's probably where your superpower comes in, your zone of genius. And with that sort of framing, what do you think your superpower is? Um, so I, I guess if I have to think of it, like the first thing that comes into my mind is my my curiosity. Um, and that curiosity has really allowed me, number one, uh, because sometimes it's difficult. And I'm just going back like on your question and what we were thinking about earlier. Like when you're the new kid in class and you're moving all the time, um, you have a choice. You can either crumble and sit in the back of the room or you can be curious about other people and ask and want to connect to them. Um, and that happened when my parents were moving around when we were young, me and my brother and sister. Um, it was always a difficult thing for me because you're always the new kid. But that curiosity, I wanted to find out about other people. And then as I had an amazing uh, 
job or role right out of college, it allowed me to work and travel throughout some 58 different countries in five years. And so the same thing, like you could either, I could have either like not really done anything and stayed in my bubble or I, or I could be curious, learn about the local people that I was um, in the country and, and there was there for two weeks or three weeks or sometimes a month. And so I had the opportunity to go out, learn more about people, see what their lives were about, ask questions and that curiosity again. And then even so much to the point that a one-year sabbatical that I took back in 2001, I really had a chance to go deep and learn more about different cultures in France, learn the language, the same thing in Italy, and, and now in, in Spain. Uh, if I think about it, a, a guy from Columbus, Ohio, I feel very, very fortunate that curiosity has also helped to inspire and, and drive a lot of work for me to speak five different languages. And, and now that same curiosity, when I go out and I get a chance to meet someone new, whether I'm in my corporate role during the day and helping my curiosity is asking them the right questions, understanding what their, what their real issue is, not just going beyond the surface level, really getting into that. Sometimes people you would talk, call them the five whys and really understanding that, that curious mind. And even being able to have that same curious mind and wanting to understand my investors and my clients today in my entrepreneurial ventures. So that curiosity has helped me not only to adapt to the new situations, it's been a catalyst for me to want to go out and learn, to want to uh, get to know people and then be able to connect people. So having a number of those different skills, as you talked about around, um, the, if I look at what is the focus, the, the, the superpower, I guess it's my curiosity is the thing that is, I hadn't thought about it that way before, but it's that curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And you're probably, I think you're probably the first person on our show that's mentioned curiosity as a superpower, right? Most people mm -hmm. think of curiosity as a, uh, you know, curiosity killed the cat, like it's a bad mm -hmm. thing. And it's definitely not. It's what, mm -hmm. you know, it's what drives innovation is curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I love your story about traveling and being a new kid all the time, because, you know, we travel all the time. And my son, who's 11 years old, is just, he's one of the coolest people I know. But yeah. he, like, we get into new places. And like, you know, whether it's an RV park or a new park that we're going to, or, you know, a museum, we're at the beach. The kid is always like, like, as soon as we get there, he's like, bye dad, I'm going to go find friends. And he'll go and he'll, he'll, he'll gather up the other children that are around his age and like get them all playing and doing things together. Cause as far as he's concerned, he's not the new kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 like, he's the guy that's connecting everybody. He's there yeah, doing the thing and getting everybody to, <laughs> and like, I know he looks at the, uh, the uh, I don't know if he would put it in these words himself, but he looks at himself. He's like, at this point, he's been traveling for four years. He's an experienced traveler and he's an experienced with like putting people together. And he's like, I I've watched him do this where he'll go into place. And there's, there's other kids who are like either new to traveling or who are, you know, they don't travel a lot. So they're just there for the weekend. So they're not used to meeting yeah. all these new people. My son's like, he's on top of that. And he'll come in and he'll be like, he'll be like, I can help you connect. Let's get, you know, introduce names. Let's pick a game out together and go do things. Cause he's, you know, he's got that, he's got that curiosity and that insatiable sort of desire to, you know, move things forward. And I, I just sort of, I love that, uh, that yeah. thought that curiosity can be a superpower. Yeah. Cause I'd never thought of that either, but, yeah. um, you know, just hearing you talk about it, I see that in my son. So yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Awesome. So the flip side of a superpower then is your fatal flaw. Right. And mm -hmm. just like every Superman has their kryptonite and every Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad, you probably have a flaw that's held you back in your business, something that you've struggled with. For me, it was a couple of things. Right. Perfectionism, um, you know, that keeps me from shipping product, um, lack of self-care. 
which, you know, led me to uh, letting my clients walk all over me instead of actually having good boundaries. Um, and I think more important than what the flaw is, is how have you worked to rectify it so that you could continue to grow in your business career? Um, and hopefully the people who are listening might learn a little bit from your experience there. Yeah, so I guess probably here, and you, maybe for, for those that are watching us, actually, you, you saw the smile on my face because one of the things that I recognize um, is that I am a recovering perfectionist, right? And so I say that a bit tongue-in-cheek, but the, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So the thing is, and I've realized it's taken me a really long time. At the same time, I love to be able to have control that's fine when you're just doing something on your own and you just are kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're studying for the test for yourself and you want to be able to get an A and you want to get the next promotion and you've got to talk to a couple of people, but you just need to make sure that every, all the uh, I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Right. And so that works really well up until a certain point in the corporate role. At the same time, I learned and have lots and lots of transferable skills. If I'm trying to do everything, there are only 24 hours in a day, Richard, as you more than know, and everybody else who's listening to us knows. And so what, because of that, I have not allowed my business to go out and as, uh, positively affect as many lives as we could, because for such a long time, I was trying to do everything. Um, and then the things that I wasn't trying to do, I was uh, working with my wife and she was doing them. And then I realized, well, okay, well, maybe that's probably not the best way to do it. And so it was, it really took this whole thing of saying, all right, well, yeah, Billy, everything doesn't need to be done in exactly this way. You need to make sure that your enterprise is set up in the right way. And you need to make sure that you have the right people on the bus, right? I think Jim Collins talks about that, making sure that you have the right people on the bus and things like that. And so having that, um, perfectionist fatal flaw, it's something that I continue to struggle against. And one of the ways that I've overcome that is making sure that I do have uh, processes designed. I mean, I even have someone on my team who the, her responsibility is to design processes because one, if I ever see a process and Billy is the point in every single step, then that process is one that's never going to work. It's never going to be optimized. So as we now look at different processes in, in our, in our, enterprise. It's about understanding, okay, where do I need to be a part of this? And if I don't absolutely need to be a part of this, meaning I'm having an interaction with an investor, or I'm actually out doing uh, something similar to what we're doing now, we're talking, um, then I have to get out of the way. I cannot let my um, desire to have things perfectly done by me stand in the way. Now it's about how do I continue to focus on the process and make sure that the process is optimized and we have the right people on the bus so that we can go out and affect as many lives as, 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 as we want to, and as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree with you. I know, um, my own self, the, the trigger for me for getting over my perfectionism was a mentor and close friend of mine who mentioned to me that, uh, perfectionism is the lowest standard you can hold yourself to because it doesn't exist, mm. right? There's no mm. such thing as perfect. So you yeah. can't actually hold yourself to that standard. So you might as well be holding yourself to no standard. Um, and can uh, I use that? Can I use that by the way? Yeah, All right. Perfect. Absolutely. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for me, it was like, that was like a kick in the can kind of thing. You're like, Oh, you're right. I think I'm holding myself to this high standard and really I'm holding myself to nothing. Right. Yeah. So there's got to be a better standard. And for me, it was shipping, right? It's, it's actually getting the thing done. Right. And mm -hmm. it's the whole, the whole, the mantra done is better than perfect. Right. And yep. having, um, you know, the, 
consistently getting stuff out in almost any industry, doesn't matter what it is, is better than having the perfect thing get out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So that was like one of the big wins for me was learning that. And then the second part, actually, it's really surprising me. You talked about processes. So for me, it was learning how to get the processes off of my plate into someone else's. Mm. Actually, just yesterday, I spent most of yesterday afternoon. Um, I'm, I'm currently doing a, a 72 hour fast. And yesterday okay. I was like, I didn't have a lot of uh, energy to do other things. Yeah. So I just sat down and I wrote and I'm in the process of writing a course called push button process. Hmm. Um, so I wrote 7,000 words on, <laughs> on building processes. Cause I'm, um, that's one of the things that I'm really good at is helping businesses build processes. Okay. Uh, which if you want, I'll send you all, send you all of that. If you want to go through it, it's really good stuff yeah, okay. on actually cool. having yeah, a yeah. language foundation for how to, how to build processes. Yeah. I'd be but, happy to do yeah, the uh, the the whole idea of learning how to grow your business and get out of that perfectionist mindset is learning how to build solid processes in your yeah. business, solid yeah. systems and workflows that actually help things get done, without you being the one to do it. Um, so, yeah, and you know, and, and the, kind of the irony here is the company that I work for um, during the day is the market leading enterprise application software company with a focus on autom automize, um, automating. Thank you very much. See, there's sometimes five languages that get kind of stuck. <laughs> I get stuck automating business processes. And so that's what I do during the day on an enterprise wide scale, right? And having over, you know, 400,000 clients around the world and things like that. And then it was making that same switch and saying, okay, well, actually, you know what, when I'm doing this on an enterprise wide level, how do I make sure that we do this here? And it's not, like the same thing when I'm talking to the C-level executives or the companies that I'm working with, like I have to apply that to my own enterprise and make sure that I'm not the one who's in every single place. Uh, and also too, because that's not my best skill set for my enterprise. I have to make sure once again, who is the right person to be on the bus? I can talk about what is the result that I want this process to be able to achieve. And then we kind of say, okay, that's the as is state of the process, or that's the future state of the process. How do we work? How do we work backwards and reverse engineer it. So it's the most optimized process. Or if we already know that there's a best practice out there, how do we implement that best practice and then tweak it to what our specific uh, needs are? But once again, because that's not my best skill set, I have to make sure that that person is here to help me so that we design them properly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know like some of the things that like I, I watch people build processes all the time and people who don't have that skill set they just look at the end result and then yeah. the the process that gets them from A to Z is very chaotic. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times there's, you know, you get forward and then they have to go back to get something. They go forward a little bit more and they have to go back to something <laughs> else and they go forward. And I'm like, anytime your process doesn't continually move forward, you've introduced chaos into the system. And so I, I one of the things I teach is I teach people how to front load decision making and how to silo creativity mm -hmm. um, so that your processes can always move forward. Um, to get to your result, but anyways, it's uh, it's really fascinating. It's such a uh, an interesting skill set that I wish more and more entrepreneurs learned at least the basic concepts of, so they could either do it themselves or bring the right person onto their team and be able to communicate effectively about how to build processes. No, it's it yeah, it's so absolutely key, and it's one of those things where you you think to yourself because I'm I'm recognizing myself in what you just said because I remember one of the first times that I, I sat down with the person who does uh, who who designs the the processes. I mean, we talked them out right, and and I said, yeah, but you do you you we want to get to here, and she said, okay, well, what's the like? How do you do it today? And I said, well, you do this and you do that. She's like, okay, but after you do this isn't there, don't you do, and I go, oh yeah, hey, yeah, you, actually you don't just go from here to there. You you have to do this thing and then, the, oh yeah, and then there's another thing. So what I, in my mind was thinking was three steps really were nine, 
right? Yeah, and yeah. but and but that's... because I didn't have the training to do that, that's when it it made a lot of sense for me and my enterprise to say, okay, that is exactly why you are here and on the team because you know how to actually design this and think about it and say what is the as is and how do we get to the to be and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I find the biggest reason that entrepreneurs struggle with processes is because they don't have the language foundation to actually speak about it well. Right. And so when you have a process, process involves steps. Right. And mm. most people think of we, we think in terms of what I call macro steps. Yep. Um, and so macro steps are the stuff that you might put on a checklist. Right. If you right. were a pilot and you have your pre-fright checklist, you have like all these things. You got to make sure you check off that you've done those things. Otherwise, yeah. you crash your plane and die. Right. We don't do the so, procedures. <laughs> yeah, you do the procedures. But then you have your micro steps. That's the minutia in between the steps. So like if you have something where it's like, hey, step one is upload the video to YouTube. Right. From a checklist standpoint, that's all you need. But then you have the minutia, which actually needs to be in the process of like, you have to open your browser and you have to click the button and you have to locate the video and you have to upload the video and you have to put the exactly. title in the thing. And right. And you have all the minutia. Yeah, yeah. That's someone who's done the process more than once. Yeah. It's become second nature. Right. Yeah. And so when you're thinking about how you design processes and if you were going to take someone brand new, your process doesn't need to be built in such a way that you could take someone off the street who's never seen the process before, That's drop it. them into it and they could accomplish it, which doesn't happen if you don't actually know how to, to look at the processes from both a macro and a micro level and then teach the other people how to do them that way. So yep. anyways, yeah. Yeah. super interesting discussion. Definitely. And I, uh, I hope that more people, you know, pick up that skill, particularly either, you know, it's cause it's, it's what helps you grow your business is learning how to yep. build processes. And it also helps you get out of that perfectionist trap that yep. comes from wanting to do everything yourself. Um, because, the reason why most people do that, and I know it was for me at least, is the reason I'm thinking of perfectionist is because the process was all in here. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how to get what's in here to someone else. So therefore, I can't have them do it because it won't get the same result. But yes. if you learn how to build processes well, then you can have someone else do what you would do in the same situation. Correct. Which is another reason that technology has really helped me because it's so nice when you can just make a really quick video and go, doop, 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 this is what I'm doing. And you send it off and say, okay. <laughs> This is what needs to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, funny thing about that, it's actually how I teach people to build processes is you record things and you have someone trained to take those things and turn them into SOPs. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so you're either, I'm sure you're either looming it or you're uh, doing a, a Zoom video and you record it and all that kind of stuff and send it off yeah, to someone else. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. that's how we do them. Yeah. So my next question <laughs> for you then is about your common enemy. Right. And every superhero has an arch nemesis. It's the thing that they fight against in their world. Right? And in the world of business, it takes a lot of forms. But generally speaking, we put it in the context of the people you're working with. Right. So probably it's going to be either the people who you are renting doors to or the people you're buying properties from. Um, and it's a mindset that you constantly have to fight against, fight to overcome so that you can actually put together that win, win, win deal. Right. So you can get them the higher degree of results. But that sort of framing, what do you think your common enemy is in your um, in your real asset business? Um, well, I guess the thing that 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 um, that is part of my like, I guess it just it comes to my brain and then it's stopping and stopping and then it goes down to my gut. And so I think I'm going to share what's on my gut because I normally would not do this. So. Um, I think that the, the arch nemesis is always fighting against many, many years of a scarcity mindset. Um, and what do I mean by that? So when you grow up and you don't have um, access to things, right? You start thinking that those things, i.e. currency, or some people would call it money, 
is really what is the do all, wear all, end all, be all to things. And so you, you do a lot of things to make sure that you have the money, that you have the currency. And, and when you take that scarcity mindset approach, you really are limiting yourself to the number of people's lives that you can contact, uh, the number of people's lives that you can positively affect because you're thinking inward. And, you know, very similar to, um, it was what was Bob Berg, the, the go-giver. When you start thinking about how you can really transform and think about others, how can you serve other people? But genuinely, not like you're trying to do that because it sounds good, but genuinely you're looking to, how can I help that person? And as long as you can, and it's a part of your uh, mindset, your framework, your service, your product, then you really should be thinking about how can you best serve the person, not how can you serve yourself. And I also say that too, because working in a, in a sales capacity, right? Um, during in my corporate role. And then that's what I'm doing in now at the end of the day. I mean, I'm a, the, the chief everything officer of my, of my business, as I would say, as a small, as a, as a, as a uh, smaller enterprise, but you know, I have, have different people there, but there is a, the arch nemesis is really, fighting against scarcity mindset, because once you let that scarcity mindset enter into your world, it will automatically devour any chance of long-term relationship building. And so I don't mean that you, you can't think short-term and, you know, be able to do things and, and yeah, but that it's not building a long lasting relationship. So what, what I've seen and what I've understood that works the best is when you really can take and fight against a scarcity mindset, really focus on having an abundant mindset. And, and I don't mean doing things that are, you know, that, that you're going to get taken advantage of. I don't mean that at all, but I mean, genuinely thinking about and fighting against the scarcity mindset so that you can create situations where there is something in it for everyone. It may not be exactly what they want. It may not be exactly what you want. It may not be exactly what the third party wants, but between the three of you or four of you or however many people right? Because even sometimes in the day job, there are so many different people with their own interests and things like that. You've got to fight against everybody wanting it with just what's best for yourself and myself included, right? So that's the biggest thing I would say is fighting against that scarcity mindset because it just will ultimately ruin any chance of mid to long-term relationship building, which is really where you can find the platinum. I like to say not just the gold, but the platinum. You can find it there. So I have, I have a, a thought that I've been noodling around for the last couple of months that I'm curious. I want to get your sort of thoughts on this when yeah, it comes sure. to that scarcity mindset. Um, and you, you mentioned the wanting to, um, like when you have that scarcity mindset, your, your desire is to like gather the currency, right? I want to have all the currency in my pocket. Um, and you, you start looking at life in terms of how can I earn more money here? How can I create money here? How can I get money to me? Yep. Um, and, um, you know, you just covered a lot of the problems with that. Um, and I've been thinking to myself, one of the things that I think actually makes more sense, right? Because the, the desire to gather and, and put things together in our life um, and grow our life isn't going to go away, right? Um, you know, the we, we like to talk about the mindset to say, instead of trying to get things to come to me, how do I instead look to give to other people? Um, and that's a hard jump to make because we don't know how to connect the, I need money with the, I need to help other people. And I think and this is, like I said, this is an unformed thought, but mm -hmm. I think one of the things that can help people is instead of focusing on gathering money, we instead focus on gathering skills mm -hmm. because skills are the bridge 
that allow us to go from focusing on myself to focusing on other people. Um, and I know I'm at a point in my life where I could lose everything today and rebuild it tomorrow because of the skills that I've built over the last 10 years. And it sounds like you have the same kind of skill set now. It's like, even if you lost everything today, you could rebuild what you've had because of the skills that you have. And so my unformed thought is that maybe our focus should be, instead of trying to get the money, is how do we get the skills? Because the skills are what allow us to help other people. Yeah. And, and I like that as a thought. Um, you're also making me think about uh, there is a book uh, by a guy, uh, two guys, uh, Dr. Chris Mortensen and Adam Taggart called Prosper. And in Prosper, they talk about the eight forms of capital, right? And, and there is financial capital, but also talk about things like um, your, your health and talking about things like your social network and your, and your, and your spiritual f- foundation. And so it, I think it ties in very close to what you're talking about in terms of developing a skill. Like the only, the, the, and I used to think this way, right? And this is why I fight against this arch nemesis, which goes back to the origin of your question, is when you think it's about money, um, as soon as you realize that you don't have anybody that can help you out of a situation that's difficult, even if you have all the amount of money in the world, then you realize money is not really the most important thing. Or if you are physically ill, doesn't matter how many millions or billions you have in the bank. I mean, we think about um, situations like Steve Jobs, for instance, um, in, in, the, in those kinds of lives or the people that are, sorry. That he died of pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer, exactly. So like having the most money in the world doesn't really help. So it's really about how can you be focused on the skills or how can you be focused also on the other types of capital helping your community? That usually takes time. Right. And so even, we all have a certain amount of time, even if it's just being able to help somebody else an hour a week, if you have that or being able to um, make sure that you're spending time on on yourself, on your physical capital um, and, and things like that. So I, I would uh, agree with 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 that thought process is going beyond just capital or currency. What else can you be doing to build uh, your community, to build your mental capacity, to build your knowledge base? because there's value in all of those things. There's value is not just in currency, uh, far, far, far beyond that. Um, and I think when you're not focused in that scarcity mindset is typically just focused on how can I get as much money for me, for myself and show it to the rest of the world and all that other kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I like your unformulated thought as it relates to uh, to skills and it really ties in well to the whole concept of the, of the eight forms of capital. The more I think about it, I realize that like my business, when really started to grow when I stopped focusing on doing business all the time, if that makes sense, right? Where I was like, I'm trying to do the things that lead to revenue. Yep. Um, and I, I remember, you know, a time not that long ago where I was spending 12, 18 hours a day on my business trying to drive revenue. Um, mm-hmm. And my business now is at a point where I spend maybe four to five hours a day, four days a week on my business. Um, the rest of the time, like I mentioned earlier, I'm doing a 72 hour fast. I have mm-hmm. in the last six months, I've put on 15 pounds of muscle with some oh. exercise I've been doing with a good friend of mine. Um, and so like working on the health capital, um, yeah. and I know over the last like five or six years, building my network, um, of people mm. that I can actually be helpful to, um, has grown my business significantly. And so I really like that thought of like, Hey, it's, it's, it's the focus on not just the one financial capital, but how can you build some of those other things? Cause that's what really lets you, uh, grow your, grow your life. Completely, completely agree. One of uh, one of one of my uh, mentors, a guy named Kyle Wilson, who used to um, 
he worked many years with Jim Rome uh, and Jim Rome. I think Kyle says that uh, he said, how, you know, how can you become valuable um, to valuable people? And, and however you say people are valuable, right? Everybody looks at that differently, but how can you, once again, going back, it's not about currency. It's about what value can you add to those individuals that you perceive or believe to be valuable? Um, and it's yeah. focusing your energy elsewhere. Absolutely. So, my uh, next question for you then is about your driving force, right? So the flip side of your common enemy is your driving force. And just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, what is it that you fight for in your business? Um, and, you know, you have a mission, so to speak. What is it? Yeah, I, you know, it, it, if we just think about the the business um, side of things, I mean, I, I also fight to make sure that um, that my, my children, that they that they see and per, perceive um, their, their father as someone who's adding value to their lives. It's helping them grow and helping them be, um, you know, better will help them to be better, better people um, as they grow up uh, because we want them to be independent young men. Right. Um, at the same time, when I think about, uh, for instance, for my business mission is really to go out and to help people that are high wage earners, right. Be able to have a better control over their lives so that they are able to use and spend the time in their lives the way that they want to be able to spend it, right? Um, because I think there's a, there's a, there can be a misperception that people that are earning high wages are, you know, once again, because this goes back to being focused on just money, just capital, is, is saying, you know, these people have it made. Uh, and a lot of times, people that are high wage earners that are working in big corporate jobs are really you know, if you look at it on an hourly basis, they're probably earning less than anybody else uh, under the sun because they're working from the day, from the moment they wake up in the morning, they're checking their phone, seeing what mails are happening. They're flying all day. They're flying all night. They're at um, their kids' soccer matches or ballet recitals and they're checking their phone. They're not even paying attention and they're going to bed at night and they're doing the exact same thing. And so they're, they're on 16 hours a day and paying attention to the people that are around them not very often. And so it would be really nice to also, and some of that is just because they're consist consistently consuming things or they don't recognize that they can actually have more control over their financial part of their lives, which will allow them to then spend more time with the people that they really love, will allow them to focus on their own health, that their, their own energy, focus on their own mental well-being, and all of the other things that we talked about. So I, I have a lot of energy around going out to help people that I see every single day, you know, these, these high wage earners so that they can have more control over the aspects of their life that are really, really important to them. Um, and, and part of that foundation is looking at how they can gain more control uh, over the financial aspect of their life so that they feel really, really comfortable um, knowing that they have that covered and they can spend their time doing what they, what they really, really want to be doing. So just a curious question, because I've not been in that space before in that high wage earner space where you're talking to the, the people, but I, I know people that are like that. Um, who they they work constantly um, mm. because that's what their job requires of them. And just a, a thought: Do you think it mm. has to do with the idea that like all of their income is tied up in that position? Um, and and so because their income is tied up in that position, they feel like they have to always perform there. And when you can move some of that income, right? Like you've done, and you have you're like I have I have my entire income is you know going to be matched on the other side here. So if I need to take the afternoon off not like if the world goes in and they're like hey you took the afternoon off you're fired your life's not over 
right? Yeah. Um, and that it's it, even if that's not a reality, like that wouldn't happen. They think it's going to happen, even if it's subconscious. So they always are on all the time. Yeah. So, so the, the, man, that's a, that's a great, um, that's a great question. I think there's a, we could probably unpack that one for a couple of days and I know we don't have a couple of days, but um, if we go down to the, and we're going to generalize here, right. But when you have uh, a single point of failure, right. Yeah. Like your one, which income. is your one income. Uh, and the other point of failure is, but well, the other point of failure is potentially because you were the A student, like the one I was talking about in the very beginning, this guy, me, I'm pointing to myself, if you're listening to us, um, when you've done all of the things and you've put all of your eggs in that basket for your financial life, then you're, you're not really, you're so worried and busy about what's happening at your day job that you haven't even taken enough time to understand what's happening with your own life right? Because you're so busy that you've got that next meeting, you've got this next call, you've got to get this promotion, you've got to get that. And like, I've been there. So I'm, I'm talking from experience. Um, but there, there is a lot of that that says, you know, if, if I don't have this, and I've gotten used to this salary, and I'm not talking about people that overspend, I'm talking about people that have their, their role, their job, and they're not overspending. But beyond that, they, what do they, they're not, there's not a, a financial education. There is not uh, an understanding of what else could I be doing to make sure that I'm mentally um, well. But back to your question is, if you don't have this job, then typically what have I seen? When one person leaves one big multinational organization, the very, like within the next month, they've got to find another J-O-B at another one because they need that income to be able to, um, you know, continue to, to survive and, and sustain themselves. So yes, I mean, that's uh, that is a large part of it and seeing that there, there's a single point of failure with that one salary, that one income. Yeah. Yeah. And then learning how to take that, but you, what you teach people then is how to take that salary and then diversify. So you don't have a single point of failure for your income. Exactly. So it's it'd be able to look and say, what are the other options that exist out there? Right. And, and, and what are you comfortable with as well? Right. I mean, some people are really happy and comfortable, putting, you know, turning all their money and just having an X amount come out of their paycheck and it goes right into 401k. They never think about it or their IRA or their the X amount that are going to buy certain stocks. And, you know, they are constantly looking at their phone all day. Oh, how's this stock going? Is it up? Is it down? Am I making money? Am I losing money? And, and it's like, well, until you actually execute the order, and you're not nothing. You're just wasting a bunch of your time and energy and focus, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? So I don't actually know if this fits into the interview well here, but I'm just curious because you we mentioned before we got on that um, you invest in real assets in a lot of different categories. One mm -hmm. of them you mentioned was the ATMs. You invest in ATMs. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious, and I'm sure our audience might be curious too, how does investing in ATMs work from a revenue standpoint? Do you actually like buy an ATM machine and you just make the the percent, you know, that $3 fee that they uh, they tell you about every time you go to pull something out of an ATM? Wow, Richard, you just nailed it. All right, next question. <laughs> no, so 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 here's the thing. And, th and this, once again, I I'm a big believer that your money, your currency should always be on the treadmill. Like it always needs to be working out. Uh, and I'm telling you this because you asked the question earlier. And sometimes when you have a scarcity mindset, you feel really good because you just want to see your money increasing, like money sitting in the bank account and just going up. Like when your money's going up in a bank account that is uh, that is earning, and if you're having money in a savings account that is earning, if you're really, really lucky, it's earning half a percent. 
and inflation is at 2% and the Federal Reserve said that we're going to probably go above 2%. Let's just yeah. imagine that it's two and a half percent. Your money's at 5%. Even though that money feels really good because it's going up, you're losing 2% of your purchasing power every single year. Yeah, right. Yeah, so absolutely. that, that, that's a, that's a, and this is part of, you know, having the conversation with people and ha- helping them to understand and things like that. But back to your question. So um, with the, with the ATM, it is really having my capital moving all the time. There's some things that I do directly. And then there's some things that I do passively. Right. And so this is one of the investments that's done passively. It's a real asset. It's a tangible asset and, and it's, it's real estate, right? Because you're looking at a machine that's, you know, two by two and it sits on a plot of land. And so that plot of land is you're paying uh, the, the, whether you're at a truck stop or you're at a shopping center or you're at a bodega or a gas station, whatever the case may be, or one of your favorite, favorite restaurants when you can go there. Um, you're paying the fee. And then that, in that transaction fee that you then as an investor, if you are part of that, then that, a part of that goes to the investor, a part of it goes to the operator and a part of it goes to um, the person that you're renting the space from. So you just split that transaction fee um, in a way that makes sense. And you do it across a blended number of, um, of, um, of ATMs. So, yeah, yeah so that's, yeah. it's, so it's, it's, it's I, as simple as that. That's really interesting. So just you don't actually own the own the machines then you're just an investor in in them. Correct. So I own I own the lease on the machines for a period of time. Yeah. So for 7 years. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, I've I've never even heard of of that as an investment thing. I just uh, it never even entered my mind and you know thinking about it, it totally makes sense but um, yeah. you know I've heard of everything from investing in billboards to investing in real estate to investing in the um in, in various different things. Like I've even seen like the, uh, the investing in the vending machines and whatnot, but it just mm, never yeah. dawned on me that you could invest in ATM yeah, machines. Yeah. I mean, so that one's been really, really, um, really interesting. I mean, I'll tell you one that I've just recently been involved in recently. We just, um, we, we finished a, a $1.5 million raise on um, pieces of equipment for energy. Like, and this is something I would have never, ever, ever thought about since we're talking about entrepreneurship. And sometimes you just have to keep your mind open to, new possibilities, right? And so I never thought about this, but you know, everybody's talking so much about what's happening with the environment and you can do things that are socially responsible. And so you're like, okay, well, you can invest in equipment that actually um, minimizes um, the, the, the emissions of CO2. You can go out and you can help to create uh, double digit returns. And at the same time, able to help these high wage earners um, with their tax in terms of ordinary income, which is one of the things that a lot of times, and this is why I like to spend a lot of time with individuals is sometimes when you are investing, imagine you've got a, you know, you've got a high wage and you're, you're earning, you know, multiple six figure salaries or seven figure salaries, and you are investing in real estate. Well, unless you're a real estate professional, they're kind of two different buckets. There's one bucket, which is passive income. So we talk about passive income, but this is actually IRS passive income. And then you have your ordinary or earned income in a lot of the different, well, when you're working a job, you have ordinary or active income. And so this new um, investment opportunity can really help people not just to create returns, but also helps them with their ordinary income in terms of being able to have a high wage. Exactly. And so this is really, really great for people because a lot of time you're like, yeah, I'm doing all the right things and I'm earning all this money. And um, well, I'm earning all this money and you, and you get all these great reductions on the passive income side, but it's not really helping your active income. So, um, I mean, and of course people, everybody's situation is different like we were saying before. So, I mean, everybody always should speak to their tax team and things like that, but this is one of the real new areas that I didn't even know existed. And so I'm able to help high wage earners solve this problem that most people 
think people that are earning lots of currency, they don't have problems. Well, yeah, they, they, they actually do because they're working really, really hard and they would like to be able to use as much of the capital as possible so that they can spend their time with their family or doing whatever the case may be um, rather than, you know, paying a lot of it to whatever in, in terms of taxes that they're not going to get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, so you, you get all kind of different things in real assets. And once again, I call it a, a, a real asset and doing it long distance, you can live wherever you want to live and um, be able to invest in these types of things because you can actually physically touch them. They are tangible things. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to move on a little bit and talk yeah, sure. about your, um, about what I call the hero's tool belt. And this is the practical portion of our show. Just like every superhero has a tool belt with awesome gadgets like batarangs or web slingers or laser eyes. Um, I'm going to talk about top one or two tools you use every day to do what you do, right? could be anything from your notepad to your calendar to marketing tools to something you use for actually delivering your services with the people you work with. Um, something you think is essential to getting your job done. So this is probably, I mean, this isn't going to be anything major, but I love long distance, right? The whole thing about being able to live wherever you want to live in the world uh, is something that's really important for me. At the same time, um, I've always been someone who likes face-to-face uh, -face interactions. And typically when you're working with accredited investors, uh, they want to be able to see you. And if you are living on another continent, they want to be able to see you. So using a technology like Zoom that I've been using for six years or something like that, without a doubt is something that helps me to be able to make a connection while I'm in Europe and people are wherever they are in the world. They could be in maybe France or they're in the United States or they're in Switzerland, they're in Chile, they're in Australia. For me, this is, this is one of the, the greatest tools um, because it's the tool that I, that I use. Um, you can use Google Meet and all that other kind of stuff, but I, I enjoy using Zoom uh, because it's a great way to connect with people, especially when they want to have, um, you know, uh, geographic freedom. They just, you know, get on their phone and they're traveling and we'll get on a quick call and we're able to talk about things. We can use the screen share if we need to draw some things or have a, a presentation and they're able to ask their questions. We get clarification. We get to make eye contact. And without a doubt, I would say that that is the, the go-to tool that helps me help people in my entrepreneurial business, without Absolutely. a doubt. And I, I know it's, it's one of those things that fascinates me because it's it, not just Zoom, but any sort of video communication tools have really what allowed my family to travel, right? Because I can work with my clients all over the country or all over Correct. the world. Um, and it's because it's like tools like Zoom and Google yep. Meet and FaceTime yep. that um, we can stay in contact like we're in the same room which is super cool um and it, yeah. it's become such a and it's like an integrated part of our lives but i remember like if you go back to our childhood you know we used to look at things like on on uh, sci-fi movies and whatnot and be like oh man look they got those <laughs> video chat things that'd be so cool and nowadays like the other day we called grandma instead of facetiming grandma we normally facetime grandma and she right. was like like my daughter's all upset. She's like two years old. She's like, how come I can't see her? Like, where is she? And she's like, where she wants to point the camera at her face, even though we were on a phone call. Cause grandma wasn't at a place where she could FaceTime. Yep. Um, and she like, didn't get it. She was like, can they hear me? Like what's yep. going on? Like it is like our kids, like the whole amazing. conversation thing is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So yeah, without, and without a doubt. So you, you've have it and, and you've had the same thing. And once again, because as a long distance 
investor and someone who loves real assets, this is just, yeah, without a doubt, it's something that is is great on the business side. And then you've just given a, a perfect example of even using that for family. So yeah, family, it's a, it's definitely been world changing. And I think it's only going to get better as the years go on. Agreed. Um, and it's like, I know things like one of the technologies I know, uh, Apple, I don't know if it released it yet or if it was, was in this last version of their phone, but like the face, the FaceTime thing actually uses the, the, the face map that they create from the FaceTime camera. Really? And yeah. So what it does is it takes your face, the face map of your picture and you know how the camera's above the picture, they actually mm -hmm. rotate your face. So you're looking at each other eye to eye, which is wow. super <laughs> cool. Right? And like, that's just the beginning of technology like that. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine we're going to see a lot of cool things and some of the sci-fi stuff that we still dream of is, you know, it's, it's on the horizon for us. Yeah. Um, so, and it just, all it does is it serves to shrink our world in terms of, you know, it doesn't matter where you live or what you do or what you want to invest in, or what you want to build your business around. You no longer have to be chained to a specific location to get that done. Agreed. Completely agree. Speaking of heroic tools, I want to take a few minutes to tell you about a tool we built that powers the hero show and is now this show's primary sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. You're listening to The Hero Show, unlocking the power of influence and success. So only a couple more questions for you here. Next yes, one is about your own personal heroes, right? So every hero has their mentors. You know, Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had Obi-Wan, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, Spider-Man even had his uncle Ben. So who were some of your heroes? Were they real-life mentors, maybe peers who were a couple of years ahead of you, speakers, authors? Um, and how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your life and in your business? Um, you know... If, if I think about, I mean, there are lots of mentors, some people that I've never met, but lots through books that I've read. Um, but when I think about really what I want to be um, uh, for, for my children, and I think about the different sacrifices, uh, the work ethic, uh, and the things that I saw from my mother and my father growing up, uh, without a doubt for me, they are the, the, the people that I, um, in, in different aspects, right? Different aspects of each one of them that I, uh, that, that are the, the people like the inspiration uh, for me uh, on a day-to-day on a -day, -day basis. Because even at this point in my life, they're people that I, that I look up to both of them. Um, and they inspire me 
to want to continue to do uh, the right thing. I mean, I, I was talking to, well, I, I think she wouldn't mind if I shared this, but uh, she was mentioning, my, my mom would mention the other day that uh, she, she also gains inspiration from her children. And so to be able to hear her say that and share that is kind of like, you know what? Wow. This is, this is, this is for me, this is what inspiration is, even at this point in my life and being able to, to talk to both of them and get their advice. And, and, and they allow me to challenge even their way of thinking today. So it almost helps me to recognize where we are in our journey together. Right. And I'm very fortunate that I still have both of my parents um, and, and, and my dad's wife in, uh, in, in my life today. So they're definitely the, the source of inspiration and, uh, and, and, and mentorship for me. Yeah. Yeah. I remember really vividly, um, when I made that transition into adulthood, um, and just watching the relationship change from that parent child relationship is still a parent child relationship, but it changes when you become an adult where there's a lot more even keeled friendship that goes along with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember seeing that and how thankful I was that my parents allowed me to grow up, but then also started to to treat me and be a part of my life as, you know, fellow adults, so to speak. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and how much that's been um, an inspiration for me in terms of actually wanting to, to live a life that they're proud of, but also as an example for my children. Um, mm. And I remember one of my early business mentors said something to me that's actually the inspiration for the name of this show. Um, and he, uh, he was speaking on stage. I don't even like, I've never met the guy. Um, he was just speaking on stage. I was in the audience and he was looking out at the audience and he said, someday your kids are going to have a hero. Right. And he's like, mm. and if you're not worthy, it's not going to be you. Mm. <laughs> right. Mm. So it would, it would be, um, one of those things that like, I know I've always looked at how can I be the kind of person that like my parents were for me. Right. Cause mm. I still to this day, look up to them. And look yeah, up yeah. to what they've done and the work that they put into to, you know, for me, I, I got to, I get to do all the things I do because I stood on their shoulders, right. Because yeah. of all the things that they made happen for me. Yeah. Um, and I want to be, do the same thing for my kids where like where my son's going to start off in such a better place than even I started off because yeah. of the work that I'm doing. So anyways, yeah, yeah. I completely, uh, I feel you on the parents yeah. being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Without a doubt, without a doubt, my heroes, man. Awesome. So my last question for you is about your guiding principles, right? It's one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code, right? So for instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever brings them to Arkham Asylum. So as we wrap up this interview, let's talk about top one, maybe two principles that you use regularly in your life. Uh, maybe something you wish you had known when you first started out on your own hero's journey. Um, I was talking to a couple of friends. We, we mastermind every, uh, every, um, once a week we, we mastermind and um, we were, we were talking uh, today and I thought, well, you know what? Um, th there's this whole concept of, um, you know, and people talk about spirituality, religion, things like that. And so I, I, I and I said, you know, cause we're, we're getting ready to do a book study together and, and, and we picked the book and I didn't realize that the book is really um, faith-based and things like that. And I said, you know, um, guys, I, I don't really mind. I'm not, either for or against, because I guess, you know, I, I growing up, I always thought, you know, there's a basic principle in, in life. And it's one that I carry out even today. And with the curiosity and wanting to understand more about people and getting more people. And it's really treat others as, as you would hope that they would treat you right. Do unto others as they would, you would do unto yourself. Um, 
or I, something like that, you know, but treat people the way that you want them to treat you. Right. And so um, that is something that served me uh, across six of the seven continents, uh, 86 countries, um, times when I didn't, many times I didn't speak the language of local people, but they get a feeling, they get an understanding. Um, it's helped me in the corporate world. Um, it's helped me also on the, um, in my entrepreneurial journeys now. And it's making sure that I just treat people with the way that I would want them to treat me. Like, like that, that number one is a, is a basic foundation. Um, and maybe there's, there's empathy that's, that's, um, that is tied to that as well. And then the other part of that is, is being able to, that, that would be the first uh, thing. And if you'll allow me a second one, it's, it's really to be able to, um, uh, to never over promise things. So be able to probably take the opposite uh, approach and saying, Hey, listen, I, I want to be able to um, uh, over promise and under deliver uh, because I think that that can help for a, a under promise, sorry, under promise and, and, and over deliver. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, and, and be able to, to do that under promise and over deliver because it just allows, you know, a lot of times people are like, yeah, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. And and so you have these expectations that are so high and, and, and unless you're able to, to make, to, to, to overcome those high, high, high expectations, you're, you're really setting yourself and potentially a relationship up uh, for, for disaster. Right. And yeah. so that's just, uh, I guess the way that uh, the way that I see it always push yourself, uh, but don't be so, uh, over the top that you, that you can endanger what could potentially be a, a wonderful relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know, I love both of those. I know the, the first one, like learning to, to treat others the way that they wanted to be treated. One of the things that really helped me um, bake that into my life was, um, was changing it up just a little bit. Um, mm. And it was uh, to treat others the way that they would want to be treated. Mm. Um, and, and it's, it's a, it's a really minor shift, but um, it's the whole idea of putting yourself into someone else's shoes and looking at the world the way that they want to look at it. Um, and it's always been really helpful, especially in terms of persuasion and other things. Mm. Um, and that that when you look at the world through their shoes, it helps you to understand how how They're you perceive it. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it's it's the same kind of thing, right? Because if you really think about it, we probably want to be treated the same mm -hmm. way. Um, but when I, uh, for me, at least when I come at it from their perspective, it helps me, um, helps me to come up with the actions that are actually going to, uh, to impact them. You know, Richard, actually, I've, I've never heard that before. And hearing you say that, and it does put things, it's, I mean, it is a very minor change, but it's a major change, right? Because you are putting yourself in their shoes, right? And, and yeah, I like that. I've not heard that before. So, so they, they I, I even wrote it down. Like a, <laughs> they call it the golden rule, right? Treat others the way that you would be want to be treated. And I call my change on it the platinum rule. The platinum rule. Okay, there we go. See, here we go. <laughs> it's just a little bit better. <laughs> come right. full circle. There we go. Perfect. I love that. <laughs> so that's basically a wrap on our interview. But I do finish every interview with a simple challenge. I call the hero's challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and we, I do this basically as a selfish way to get access to stories I might not other find uh, find otherwise. Right. For people who aren't actually like actively looking to get on the podcast, uh, hmm. the rounds or whatever. Yep. Um, and the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with us on the show? You want one person, right? It's one person. First person that comes to your mind. Can I over deliver? Would you be okay yeah. with that? I would be I've, okay with that. I have two people. 
there's a guy named Maurice um, that I've only met via Zoom. I was introduced by someone else and um, he's someone who's on an entrepreneurial journey. He's someone that maximizes every single day. He He's working in multiple roles. Um, and he's someone that I, I believe is, you know, I've not met him face to face yet, but he's someone who is, uh, who's inspirational. Um, there's also another uh, person that I um, consider a friend of mine, a guy named Sep, who is one of the people that really helped me to understand more about uh, real estate. Um, he's one of the people that um, while I was here in Barcelona, he was in California and, and really took time to understand. And he's a really, he, he's someone who really practices empathy. He practices abundant mindset. Uh, and those two people are the first two that come to uh, to my brain as people that I, I know that you would gain, you and, and your entire audience would gain lots and lots of insight and value by having conversations with those two guys. There's a bunch of others, but those two guys, I only want to keep it to, you asked for one and I give you two so <laughs> well, thank you very much we'll reach out after the show and see if we can get contact details maybe invite them onto the show sometimes awesome. they say yes and we get really cool interviews out of it uh, awesome. so that is basically a wrap on our show so in comic books there's always the crowd of people um, who are standing around cheering for the acts of heroism um, you know and thank them for their work so as we close our analogous to that um, is mm -hmm. I want to know where people can find you if they want your help in learning how to invest in real assets, right? Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, um, and say, Billy, hey, I would like your help um, learning how to do this. Um, and I think more importantly than where is who are the right types of people to raise their hands and reach out and say, hey, Billy, we'd love to get help from you. Yeah, sure. So if you don't mind, I'm going to give a couple different because I, I, it's in, in treat people as you as they want to be treated. So and because of that, the platinum rule, the platinum rule. I'm going to try and apply that now, or I'm going to apply that now. Um, I always find that people like to do things or have different flavors. So I try to make it really easy for people to contact me. Uh, for those people that are like, hey, listen, I, you know what? You really talked about things that really resonate with me. I'd like to explore it a little bit more. Um, they can go to bit.ly forward slash speak with Billy, um, get on a, a phone call. Um, and I'd love to, uh, to, to have a conversation with them. Just remind me that, uh, that Richard and I were speaking and, uh, would definitely get on a, um, on a free com conversation. Um, that's the first thing. Um, I also love LinkedIn. And so if someone just wants to ping a message, you can go to LinkedIn, Billy Keels, B-I-L-L-Y-K-E-E-L-S, the guy who's in Spain. Um, and also to just reach out and let let me know that uh, you heard uh, Richard and I, or you saw Richard and I speaking here on, on the Hero Show, which would be uh, fantastic. If anybody just wants to also listen to what we're doing, you can go to the Going Long podcast with Billy Keels, and, which is on all the major platforms. And then lastly, if you just want to check things out, um, you can go to BillyKeels, B-I-L-L-Y-K-E-E-L-S.com. Um, and, and, and so there are other ways um, as well. If you want to know about the energy, we can do that, but we'll, we'll leave those for the show notes. But I, but I think also too, Richard, you asked who is the person, right? And, and the person that it's the person that I'm on the mission to, to help. It's the person that I think a lot of people are not necessarily thinking about nowadays. And it's that person that is a, a high wage earner. That's that person that is spending all of their time, uh, you know, in that one particular uh, role. Uh, it's that person who is an entrepreneur, who is earning lots and lots, and they've got lots of ordinary income and they're trying to figure out a way as, you know, how can I make sure that I keep as much of this capital uh, as possible so that I can spend more of my time with my family. Um, those are the people that I am really on a mission to, to go out and help so that they can go beyond just that financial capital and build the other parts of the capital uh, in their life uh, out. And so I, I know we've mentioned it before. So those are the people that I'm helping. And I guess one last thing is uh, if 
specifically if people are interested in understanding that the last thing I talk about with energy, they can uh, just send me an email to energy at billykeels.com. And uh, with that, I will be quiet. So I hopefully that awesome. uh, that's been helpful. Thank you so much, uh, Billy, for coming on. And of course, if you're listening to this and you're in that space, right, you're one of those high income earners or you're an entrepreneur who's looking to get some of that business income that you've uh, you have been creating in that B quadrant. If you've been reading Robert Kiyosaki, you want to move someone into the I quadrant, definitely take the yeah. time to reach out to Billy. Um, one of the first guys I've had on that's talking about investing in real assets outside of real estate. So you've got lots of interesting information you could probably learn from him. Billy, again, thank you so much for coming on the show here today. I can tell just from our conversation that we're probably going to have more conversations in the future. That doesn't always that. happen with our guests. Uh, so again, thank you so much for coming on today. And do you have any uh, final words of wisdom for our audience before I hit this uh, stop record button? Yeah, you know, more than words of wisdom, if, you know, if you're interested in taking action and, and Richard, those that are already following you and, and are part of your your family, your tribe, and I know that they're here because they're, they're listening to you and they're taking action. So one of the things that uh, as a recovering professional perfectionist, I would say, you know, take action before you're actually ready to do that. Um, you will self-correct and, and you'll be able to get to uh, to the goals that you want to be able to do. Continue listening to to Richard and, and the guests that he brings on. They're going to give you uh, more ideas to help you move forward. Um, you're doing the right things already. So continue to do that. And uh, Richard, I just would like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving me the opportunity to have this conversation with you and, and share it with your audience as well. And I uh, would love to, to come back and have another conversation with you. That's awesome. I know the uh, um, what you said reminded me of something that you know we mentioned. You know, my dad is a hero to me, and one of the things he said to me, I remember, he was 19 years old. We're standing on the creek bank, and I was asking him about. Uh, I think we were. I was talking about getting married, and he looks at me and he goes, "Son, if you wait until you're ready, you'll never do anything." Right, and um, it's always been. It's stuck with me forever um, that if you wait till you're ready, you'll never do anything because the part of the process of getting ready is actually taking the action and doing things when you're not ready. Yeah. So. Agreed. Thank you very much, Billy. Thank you, Richard.